Hi everybody, this is episode 49 of the Great Divide podcast, the last episode of the 40s. The next one will be the big 5-0, and Tom will be back for that one, but he is still out, so we have yet another guesting co-host for this episode, a mystery co-host. Reveal yourself, who are you? Hi Spine, it's CJ. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, you are no stranger to this podcast. Uh, we all remember your, your your legendary comments in the round table, which I think even snuck its way into the previous episode. But uh, we're looking forward to some new ones this time. Yeah, thanks. I've you know I've been storing some really dazzling commentary for you, Spine. Oh God, yeah, yeah. we're all looking forward to that. Habit you. I don't. I don't even have an answer to that. <laughs> uh, but. What we're going to talk about today, this is going to be hopefully a, a single and fun episode, not a two-parter. We need to we need to save the big five zero for for when Tom is back. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I don't even know what we're going to do then. But the, top, the topic for today is big country covers. Uh, they've done a shitload of covers over the years. It's fair to say, and we started talking about the Undercover album, which some of you may be aware of which is a collection of covers that was released in 2001. Uh, but instead of just throwing through a cover CD, we decided make it a bit more interesting. So both of us have selected our top 10 personal cover versions of Big Country. Was that a tough task, to narrow it down to 10? Um, it wasn't so hard to narrow it down to 10, but I found ranking the 10, in particular the top 5, to be challenging. Hmm, Good. I like to uh, to give people a challenge. And but I like to be challenged. Yes, time. and evidently you managed it. Yeah. Be- even though you asked me before we started which of the two lists you had should you use. It's true. <laughs> I st- I'm, and I'm still, we'll see how it goes. I do have running two different uh, top five lists running, so we'll see. Incredible. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Uh, no one knows. You're keeping it interesting for yourself as well. That's right. I like to surprise myself. Nice. Before we dive into the covers discussion, it would kind of um, we kind of need to acknowledge what's been going on in the big country camp over the last couple of days. It would be a miss to to not do so. Where uh, yesterday, big country announced that Derek Forbes is no longer part of the lineup. He's no longer part of big country. They posted an announcement on Facebook, and it reads. Due to the upcoming schedule of Big Country conflicting with other projects that he wishes to pursue, Derek Forbes will no longer be performing with Big Country. All forthcoming gigs will go on a schedule with a replacement bass player. Bruce, Mark, Jamie and Simon wish Derek well in all his future endeavors. More details to follow. Shocked? Surprised? Or not so much? Shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it, it's a testament to uh, Derek's status within the big country community that I think nobody has ever complained about him joining the band or his performance in the band. And in fact, he's, he's been universally liked by everybody. And what he brought to the band was definitely unique. And uh, from speaking just purely from my own perspectives, the fact that Tony left would be one of the bigger blows to me personally, especially after Stuart passed, Tony was, in my book, the heart of the band in a lot of ways. And if you listen to the past couple of episodes, which I know some of you did, not a, not a whole lot of you did, but the last couple ones about Tony Butler, you will know that I like him. He has a very high status in my book. And it's a testament to Derek that he could come in and kind of still make it feel all right and fill the gigantic shoes to a large degree. 
He wasn't a master of backup vocals, but he was another master of the four-string beast, and that's exactly what the band needed. And also a, perp- a player with a huge uh, personal history. You know, he stands tall in, in the band's history. So uh, you saw him live a couple of times. What was your impression of Derek? Well, I thought he was tremendous. I mean, and I and I do think it's a great credit to Derek that so many people embraced him after Tony left. And mm-hmm. I think that that's in part why um, so many people aren't responding well to the news. Um, but I thought he was incredible live. I loved seeing him on the Journey Tour. I, the opening to the Home of the Brave, I think, was a highlight at any show you were at. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a tremendous talent and seemed to have such great chemistry with the rest of the band. And, and I do think it's a huge loss for the band. It is. And obviously the immediate question is who will he be replaced by? And we still don't really know if they have a permanent addition, but as of today, as of the recording of this podcast, which is uh, July 10th, uh, there's still been no update on uh, on the Facebook pages of the band, but someone posted an update on his personal Facebook, where he said, I've got my first gig with Big Country tomorrow, really looking forward to it. I have to say, Tony Butler wrote some wicked bass parts. There's much going on in the low end of the Big Country stuff than you probably think. It's been the toughest learn for a gig I've ever had. And the person who wrote these words, the massively famous Scott Whitley. <laughs> I know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, blank stare from everybody. No, I had never heard of this guy. I don't know who it is, but uh, he wrote this on his own personal Facebook. There's been no announcement by the band on their website or their social media, but uh, this seems to be the guy who will at least for the next couple of shows play with the band. And uh, if you want to check him out, he had Um, he's obviously on Facebook, he has his own page he has a page called Scott Whitley Bass Guitar Services and he has a homepage www.scott-whitley.com and uh, if you look at it quickly, you know, like everybody did, I'm sure everybody wanted to find out what kind of guy is this, he's not a name guy he's not a very well known guy certainly not outside UK but uh, he's been playing with uh, the current version of The Animals which goes around as the Animals and Friends, which is another legacy band going much further back than Big Country, but still they're they're making it around. And he's played with Steve Cropper, which was the most impressive in my book of the Booker T and the MGs, and also of the Blues Brothers, which might be more known. I don't know. And he seems to also post a heck of a lot of instruction videos on bass playing and videos on bass maintenance. So he he seems to come from it from a very technical point of view and know a lot about it so that part might be reassuring we have someone who is not just dabbling with bass he is deeply involved in bass on a professional level but uh, as far as his playing i know nothing and i guess and i guess very few people do and his first gig is tomorrow so at the time of this recording he has not yet played with the band but when this episode is out he will have played with the band and people will have started to get their own impressions on him So I, I don't yeah. know if we have a lot to say about this yet. It's uh, it's very fresh. This is what it is. Yeah, no, I plead the fifth. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what to say either. I think I think we'll just have to follow the developments here. We don't know if this guy is permanent. It's easy to think of when Simon joined the band. He was not even announced before his first gig. 
he just showed up at the gig and everybody kept saying, who's the guy at the back? <laughs> we all remember that. Who's the guy at the back? And uh, they wanted to try out how it worked with him. And this might be the same deal. They might want to play with Scott Whitley, see how he fits the band, see how it works musically and personally, or, of course. And we'll see if this is one for the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of comments there, huh? No. No. <laughs> Did you look no. him up? Did you look at his page? Um, no. 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 Where, I, saw the, I saw the post, and I saw the post about the YouTube instructional videos, but, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to look at it. Where, where's your journalistic curiosity? Yeah, I'm not a journalist. <laughs> where's your music fan I'm curiosity? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, that's fine. We'll, we'll leave that as it is, but uh, obviously we... Uh, we we are sad to see Derek go. We wish him all the best, and uh, Derek will be back one way or the other. But I hope uh, I just hope the guys in Big Country know what the heck they're doing. Yeah, me too. And that on that we do uh, I agree quite sternly. All yes. right. So so having said all of these things, um, covers. Shut I'm actually a cover of Tom. Yeah. <laughs> see if that works. Yeah. Sometimes you like the cover version better. Yeah. Is that right? Do you like this cover version better? We'll see at the end of this episode. Okay. Yeah. Right. But uh, it's an interesting thing with covers because I I have this feeling with a lot of bands that covers is something the band does for fun. And right. it, I think it's something they do primarily for themselves very often, while the fans may not be keen to hear them play covers they want to hear more original material so how do you where, where do you fall there in terms of big country is it fun that they do covers uh do you wish they did more or less of it or how do you feel about it you know some of the covers were great fun i think and especially when they reinterpreted songs and made them their own they became really exciting um in general i'm not a huge fan of covers right I mean, like you, I think I would rather hear the original material. But every once in a while, you know, they'll surprise you with something fun. And, and I think that can be really exciting, too. I think that's a good way to put it. And I didn't, I didn't indicate whether I preferred original material or not. <laughs> but, but you're right, I do. Well, uh, like, like I guess most people do. I know you, Spine. Oh, God. I know you. I see into your soul. You're a very good copy of Tom right now. Yeah. But... I do, th I do think uh, the nice surprise aspect is why uh, people don't mind the cover. And I think you can be adventurous in the selection, and you can be adventurous in your approach. And uh, it's often been said that there are two ways of doing a cover. And I, I would say that they are the two you know, extremes, where one extreme is the carbon copy approach, trying to make it a version of the song that is you playing it, but it sounds like them. And the other end is you totally get rid of all the arrangements and uh, you just really make it your own. You reconstruct the song. And it, it's kind of like a universal truth that the reconstructs seems to be what people like. But I have to say, when I made my list, there's, uh, there's a lot of both. Yeah. And sometimes a carbon copy can be really entertaining if it's done with the right glint in the eye, so to speak. If, if it's a fun song, I, I guess it's very individual. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, th I think that's what gave me so much trouble in ranking my top five, um, because I have one list 
where I rank them by just the transformation of the yeah. original. And the second is, well, what do I really want to listen to if I'm going to listen to one of these songs? And so for me, it was actually really difficult to rank the top five. Mm. We'll see which one you end up picking then. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll start at the other end. Yeah. And I guess we'll just dive straight into it. So are you ready for this? Oh, it's going to be handbags at dawn's fine. Ten. So these are our top 10 big country covers, and we'll start on number 10. And as the guest, you can go first. Oh, wow, thanks. I confess I'm actually pretty agnostic about my number 10. Um, but it's Alice Cooper's I'm 18. I think in part, um, just because I prefer the original uh, of this particular tune to the to the others, um, to the other covers that Big Country did, mm-hmm. that didn't make the top nine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's disappointing, right? But I mean, I, I am, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty agnostic about it. It's not a song that I particularly love, but I prefer it to Clarence Crewater revival or big yellow taxi or any of that stuff so. right so is this a version where or the fact that you liked the original gave this cover the edge over those yeah. other yeah yeah I, I think that that's what gave it the edge is that it's a it, it is that i prefer the original to most of the other originals that they that i didn't choose mm. it's not a bad tune and it's and it's a pretty good cover yeah this is a decent cover and it didn't make my top 10 but it's one of the group of songs that could have made the lower end of my list I guess like yourself my top 7 is pretty solid but 8, 9, 10 could be any of a number of 7 songs I guess that are very very close and I made it in this in that mix didn't quite make it uh, but it is a good song like you said it's, uh, it's a song from 1970 so it goes back a ways it's from Love It To Death the third Alice Cooper album and uh, it's uh, one of those things where the reason I guess I didn't put it on my top 10 is the original has that teenage angst if you will like Alice Cooper really screams it out and that was a lot a lot of his persona at the time yeah that uh, you have that the feeling of being 18 not knowing what you want and you kind of have this big frustration like I'm a boy and I'm a man and you're kind of at a change in life and you're going through a heck of a lot and the fact he, he kind of screams that out so Big Country's version is uh, a lot cleaner. And they, didn't, they yeah. didn't capture that teenage angst thing. But as far as a great rock song, yeah, sure. They yeah. got it. Uh, and uh, it's definitely enjoyable. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. Yeah, so that's a nice pick. So my number 10, one that I did put on my list, but it's again in that group and it's really close to, for example, I'm 18. But on my number 10, I put uh, On The Road Again. Well, 
Another song that goes back a while. Uh, it was recorded by the American blues rock group Canned Heat in 1967, which means it's on their second album, Boogie with Canned Heat, uh, which I, I like that band somewhat. I like some of their stuff, whereas others are too much boogie with Canned Heat. I like it when they have a bit more <laughs> melodies and not necessarily all, all the boogie. Uh, but this is one of their better songs. Uh, it was released as a single in 1968 and it actually became the first chart hit by Canned Heat and it's still one of their best known songs. So this is a point that we get to for several of the big country's selections of cover versions. They don't always dig very deep. I think Canned Heat is a good pick in terms of not picking an obvious artist. Right. However, it's the most known song by that artist. And that yeah. is and that is a bit typical of big country that sometimes they didn't ba- dig very deep. I think most times they didn't, but there are exceptions. There are choices where they definitely did choose a bit more unorthodox. And uh, but but this it, it kind of is and it isn't. The choice of Canned Heat is is very interesting. Uh, on the road again might not be the well, the most adventurous if you wanted to look in that direction. But uh, it's, it's a decent song, and this was a song that Tony Butler wanted to record, and he was the one who brought this to the band as a proposed cover, and they did it. And he's also the one, obviously, singing lead vocal on the track. Right. So, uh, so Big Country did not change it too much from the original either. It, it's still a driving loose rock boogie, if you will, with some 60s psychedelic rock elements and a falsetto vocal, which, uh, which I have a weak spot for. So, so I put it in there. It, it's a number of songs that could have ended up there, but uh, I, I, I picked it there. It's a little bit unusual for Big Country. So uh, I appreciate that. So that that's that one. All we're, right. We're going to breeze through it. This is, uh, this is a one-parter <laughs> episode, so we're not gonna, this is not going to be a fully-fledged deep dive, but we'll jump on to number nine. My number nine is Black Skin, Blue-Eyed Boys by Eddie Grant and the Eagles. Okay, I'm loosened up now, children. Ooh, another one that uh, is a bit unorthodox for big it country. Is, I mean- yeah, it is and it isn't. I mean, it's um, and and I don't know that it's quite as transformative for a cover as you might like to hear. It's and in fact, it's got you know a, a bit less funk than the original mm-hmm. uh, in it. But I, I think it's a great choice for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think the original is terrific. I think the message of the original, which is both about um, racial integration, you know, and the Equals were one of the few integrated bands at that time. Um, as well as, you know, being anti-war makes it, you know, a particularly, you know, poignant choice for big country. Mm. And it's fun. It's a driving sort of dance. I don't mean dance as in, like, club dance. But, I mean, it's it's got a lot of force to it, you know, this song. So I quite, I quite like it. It's very up-tempo. Yeah. It, it definitely tempo. is. Yeah, tune, yeah. And uh, it's a very early cover for big country. Yeah. If, if you look at their, their catalog and how this stretches out, I mean, I, I tried to make an overview of all the covers, and I did it chronologically by album. You have one in the crossing area, you have one or two for Steel Town, one for the Seer, and then in the 90s you have this wealth of cover versions, so that's really where they appeared more often and, and started flourishing. 
Black Skin Blue Eyed Boys was recorded in 1990. Yeah. So it's still not the very early years of the band, but it's a very early cover still, because they didn't do a heck of a lot of covers in the 80s. So when this showed up in 1990, it was still early enough that we weren't quite used to it. And uh, then they came with this. And yeah. I, I, I still remember that. What the hell is this? <laughs> That's, yeah. That is the first reaction. And then the second reaction is, okay, it is what it is. And But is it fun? Is it good? Is it bad? And I guess I've always just had a feeling that, you know, it's not bad, but... <laughs> That's almost a compliment. But this, <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad, but it, this is not a style I like. It's not a style I want them to play. Oh, you I, don't I, like that? I have to give them props for the song because they do a, they do a pretty fun version of it, but... Uh, it's I, a bit more rock. I mean, the original was funk on the verge of disco, and I think that the cover is definitely more rock than that. I'm trying to remember how long that song is. It's it, in, in my head, it's always... It's, uh, I remember it as a very long song. and that It's not sense. long, but it is repetitive. Maybe that's what bothered <laughs> <laughs> it. Re- it reminds me of... I, I was at the Jethro Tull concert once, and uh, Ian Anderson was teasing the drum solo. Like, you don't want a drum solo, do you? And okay, you'll have a little one, just a small one, but don't worry, it will feel like ages. And I guess that sums up Black Skin Blue Eyed Boys to me. Maybe it isn't a long song, but it still feels like ages. Yeah. So, um, a bit repetitive, I guess. No, yeah, no I, it's quite repetitive. Yeah, but I guess that's the nature of the song. It's it's a it's a yeah. driving song, and I'm not going to slag it, but it was not a contender for my top ten. All right. What's your number nine? My number nine, I picked Eleanor Rigby. At nine? At nine. Wow, okay. So is that, wow, isn't it higher, or wow, you have it on the top ten? No, I can't believe it's not higher, but all right. Yeah, (laughs) okay, so I guess we have (laughs) it still coming from you. You know, clearly this is uh, another song that is uh, a bit bit of a different type of song. It, It was certainly very different when the Beatles recorded it. This is from the Revolver album. It came out in 1966, and at that time... This really drove the transformation of the Beatles from a mainly pop rock oriented band to a much more experimental and studio based band. And the fact that it had a double string quarter arrangement and Mm -hmm. striking lyrics about loneliness Mm -hmm. makes the song stand out. And it really broke sharply with the pop music conventions of the time. So the thing is, lyrically, this would fit with Big Country, I think. They, They would... Such a lyric would not be alien to them, but uh, obviously they do not duplicate the string quartet arrangement. Instead, they actually give this the big country treatment. Yeah. And they uh, they would need to do something, and the guitar arrangement is really good here. I, I give a lot of props to the original song, but it isn't my favorite Beatles song, just because it's such a heavy song to listen to, and it's an odd fit on that album. I think it's an excellent single. But it doesn't fit the, the usual material that you had. It's it's an odd song on an album. 
but it fits on in the context of eclectic because of the guitar work which is very mm -hmm. big country-esque and that is very innovative we, we discussed it to begin with what makes a good cover right and, and this is a good cover but i don't go to it a lot i don't dig it out and i guess that's why i don't have it higher i have songs higher on this list that may be less impressive from a creative point of view in terms of what the band did with it but i will mm -hmm. seek those songs more than i do eleanor rigby yeah yeah interesting well maybe i'll reserve my comments on it well you can go with it if you like no no i'll, I'll save it <laughs> okay all right so in that case we are ready for number eight yeah, okay. Um, I'll be very interested to know if you think this. I've ranked this too low. Um, but for me, it's Neil Young's Rockin' in the Free World. That, it's, a, it's a song that everybody played at some point. Yeah, I, you, and I think that that's part of it. Mm. I think Big Country do a terrific rendition of it, but it's a song that I've heard a lot. Um, and um, I don't tire of hearing Big Country play it, but, um, you know, I quite like the original version. I don't know that I, I maybe even prefer the Neil Young version um, to the Big Country version. But um, I think that... Um, it's a bit oversaturated for me, which is why it wound up at number eight. Yeah, for me, it's not on my top ten, and I think uh, this is getting very interesting. Now <laughs> I'm really curious as to what you got up there. Okay, our overlap hasn't been substantial yet. No, it hasn't. I'm really surprised. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Rocking in the free world is a song that, like you said, has been played by a lot of people. I think uh, it's remarkable how short the time span was between Neil Young releasing the song and every other band picking it up from The Alarm who had it on their studio album one yeah. year after Neil Young uh, put out his Big Country who immediately adapted it for a live version and even mainstream acts like uh, Pearl Jam playing, yeah. playing Rockin' in the Free World and I could go on everybody played it it became like an instant modern day classic yeah, it, yeah, it's well, yeah, and for a reason, you know, it's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah, and I never reach for it in any version by any band, including Big Country. <laughs> yeah, I, I think because uh, sometimes I'm, I'm listening to Without the Aid when I'm running, or uh, you know, when it comes up, and I enjoy listening to it. But again, you know, I probably don't reach for it, um, but in part because you don't have to, because every time you turn around, there it is. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And that's not always a good thing. I mean, that there are perfectly good songs that once you once once you get that feeling of it being forced down your throat, then you start resenting it. Yeah, and, and uh, that's happened. It's forced upon me, but I just, I, you know, uh, I hear it a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, there are other songs of big countries that they they are definitely part of what you could call classic rock radio. They have mm -hmm. they have a lot of uh, a lot of songs like Big Yellow Taxi, Don't Fear the Reaper, The Night the Drum Will Disc You Down, Vicious, Paranoid. It's common classic rock radio fare. 
and uh, Rockin' in the Free World kind of falls a bit into the same category for me. And if y- once you start hearing it that way, and then Big Country comes to the cover, it almost becomes, oh no, not here too. Yeah. So uh, I I definitely like the song, but I never reach for it because I don't have to. Right. So it's not on my list, but it's uh, it's a good pick. You know, I can't I can't argue with the pick. It's uh, right. it's a good song, and I'm I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you, Spawn. <Son>. That <laughs> means so much to me. God. Uh, what's your number eight? Yeah, I I, I love your sarcasm. <laughs> uh, my number eight is another classic rock song that you hear on the radio er- every day. But uh, this one hasn't rubbed me. And when I, when I say classic rock radio, I mean American classic rock radio a bit. And yeah. not, not so much where I come from. So I'm, I'm, I am shielded from a lot of these. My number eight is Vicious. Interesting. Which, yeah, another one you don't have, huh? No, I don't have that one. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. But no, but I mean, but but in my ten, it could have. It, I mean, it could have been in place of I'm eighteen. You know, like I said, I, I got fairly agnostic about it. Yeah. yeah. There's a that's a bunch of songs in that, and this is my number eight. And I said my seven first were solid, and my lower ones were a bit more fluid. But vicious made number eight. Uh, this is obviously the Lou Reed song from. Transformer, his 1972 yeah. album. Yeah. It was also released as a single in 1973. Uh, and this album was a collaboration with David Bowie, which kind of, I guess, was a reason the album became such a huge su- success for him. This basically broke him as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly, Lou Reed said it was Andy Warhol who inspired the song. He said, oh. he, Andy Warhol said, why don't you write a song called Vicious? <laughs> and Lou Reed said, what kind of vicious? And uh, he got like, oh, you know, vicious like I hit you with a flower. And he just wrote it down literally. And I thought that was just a fun story. So, yeah. so that's that's the song. And Big Country's version of the song is more or less a copy of the original. It is, but I prefer the original. I do too. I, I yeah, love the I original. Pr- I like Lou Reed. I yeah. just like Lou Reed yeah definitely and also that screeching guitar is very hard yeah. to, to replicate yeah so so they don't do anything new with it it's basically the same arrangement and it falls in the same category as songs like i'm 18 they don't necessarily yeah. have that original that that right feel the feel right. that just hits it but it's still a cool rock song and that's uh this one i like for some reason more than a lot of the others i can't really say why um so far on my list after this point, I, I have more solid opinions, I think. Like like yourself, it manifests itself a bit more. Yeah. So that's number eight. Number eight. Seven. All right, my number seven is Gin Blossoms, Found Out About You. I like this. And I, I mean, I think I like the original, but I really liked hearing it acoustic, which is how Big Country played it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Um, I love the harmonies, um, the vocal harmonies. I think that um, there's some great drum work on the song. The refrain at the end um, is is nice. But um, 
you know, it's it's a it's a sweet it's not a sweet song, but I mean it's a it's a melancholy, you know, song you know for heartbreak, and I think that there's something um, really nice about Big Country covering it. Mm-hmm. I was really listening to the lyrics over and over again and thinking about you know you know whether or not this was a good BC cover and the line. Um, that they have is there a line that I could write sad enough to make you cry? I mm-hmm. thought, you know, it sounds like something Stuart might have written, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, this is an overlap. I'm happy to tell you. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So uh, this is higher on my list. This is uh, my number five. I might as oh. well say it. Oh, you uh, outed it. I out. Yeah, I have no problem. When you come to a song I already have allowed it. I'm not as secretive as you. I'm I'm like oh, an yeah. open book for the world to read. Yeah. And other pop lyrics I could quote. Um no, but find out about you. We should say for the people who wonder, this is not the song that Big Country ever recorded. No. Uh, this was Rotterdam, nineteen ninety five. That's one of them. That's the show. Yeah. The the infamous Sheep Shaggers gig. The infamous Sheep Shaggers gig. Yeah, indeed. That comes from uh, Stuart coming on and introducing the band as the Sheep Shaggers. And they played a full gig acoustic, which, oh. which they did. <laughs> they did a lot of that in, uh, in the 1995 for Wide Long Face in general. Uh, they did in-store gigs to promote that album, and they were all acoustic. And that spurred more acoustic gigs, and eventually that culminated in uh, Eclectic. But for the time being, in 1995, when the band played all these acoustic shows, some covers would creep in. And this was one of them. And I don't know the background of them picking the song, but uh, I did not know a whole lot about Gin Blossoms. And I still don't really know a whole lot about Gin Blossoms, but this was a great song. I heard it immediately. It was a great fit for the band. It comes from the Gin Blossoms' second album, You Miserable Experience, from 1993, uh, from which it was a single, going all the way up to number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart. Uh, it also cracked the top 40 of the main chart. So again, they don't think necessarily deep, but I guess when they hear a song they like and think they can do well with, they pick it. And I think this was a great pick. Yeah, um, it was a good pick. Wonderful pick. Uh, and once I looked a little beyond the surface, this song was written by the guitar player Doug Hopkins, who was fired from the band after the recording of the album, which was kind of a big thing for them. Uh, as he was the band's principal songwriter and lead guitarist. And he died later that same year in circumstances that remind me of Stuart's demise, which kind of brought a chill, thinking that mm-hmm. they later covered it, and don't really feel like going deeper into that, but that was uh, kind of a wow and a, a similarity. So, uh, But as far as Jim Blossoms, I never listened much to them at all. And uh, I only recently found myself looking for the original version of this track, and it is on Spotify. Oh, is that right? Yeah, really. It, it 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 was a new one to me, but fortunately, you could avoid it in the states because it was all over the radio. Yeah, I have a lot of interesting discussions there with my wife. Of course, uh, her being American, the difference in what songs everybody know of over there versus yeah. over here, and why things are vastly different, and that is incredibly fascinating. And <laughs> you wouldn't believe I have an example later in my list of a cover version that. The most known version of that song, I only listened to yesterday because I sorted it out, but I'll save it a little bit because you'll say, wow. But uh, this song I only heard recently, and I I really think it's a great song. I, I, I guess I might have to dig a bit deeper into the Jim Blossoms. So Big Country didn't change it much. 
but their version no. their version is obviously more muted because it's acoustic um right. and i th- i have to say as far as backing vocals big country were on fire around the wide long face era if you hear that album it's got three part harmonies all over the place and yeah. all the all these b-sides too like uh, ice cream smile magic in your eyes wonderful harmonies and that yeah. that translated to these live shows that they did and it translates to this song it, when you listen to this song that's the one thing that has to stand out more than anything else is how great the harmonies are mm. i totally agree Really nice. So my seven, your five. We're not too far apart. No, it's 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 a song that deserves to be on this list, and uh, for the benefit of the people who have not heard this song and not haven't heard Big Country covering it, we'll play it now. So this is um, this is from the infamous Sheep Shaggers gig again, Rotterdam, <laughs> August nineteen ninety five. Found out about you. I've uh, broke a couple of strings and we didn't want to stop playing yet so uh, we'll do this for you This isn't one of our songs but it's a very cool song indeed It's actually a Gin Blossom song The song's called Found Out About You
Okay, that takes us to my number seven, and uh, my number seven is Woodstock. Woodstock is one of those songs that I guess you can't escape at all in the US. Over here it's different. It's uh, not a song that you're ambushed with every time you turn on the radio. This song is written by Joni Mitchell. It uh, was originally released on her album Ladies of the Canyon from 1970, but obviously the more well-known version of the song was recorded by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young on their album Deja Vu which is a more of an upbeat hard rock arrangement, and I actually prefer Joni's version. And uh, we're coming to this wow moment that I told you about. I have never heard Crosby, Still Nash & Young's version of Woodstock until yesterday. Huh. Which uh, I had to go and seek it out on Spotify and say, oh really, this is more well known, huh? Well, I never knew. I, I don't have any Crosby, Still Nash & Young album. I, I don't listen to them that much. I, I guess... I don't know why, because I listen to a lot of 60s stuff and a lot of from from those years, late 60s, early 70s, but I guess it's more not on my mind so much over here as I guess it would be. I guess, I guess it's more known in other parts of the world. But Joni's version I've always known and always felt as a wonderful, wonderful song. Very beautiful and not one I imagined Big Country would cover. But the lyrics tell this story about almost a spiritual journey to Max Jagur's farm, which is the place of the Woodstock Festival. Right. And uh, there is a bittersweet story about the genesis of this song, I have, I have to tell it, where Joni Mitchell was supposed to perform at Woodstock, but she wasn't there. And the reason she wasn't at Woodstock, she didn't go to Woodstock, because she was advised against it by her manager. Her manager thought it would be more advantageous for Joni to appear on the Dick Cabot show in New York. So as there were three days of music, love and music at Woodstock, she sat in her hotel room in New York and watched the thing on TV huh. and feeling really bummed out about it. She knew she made the wrong choice or she listened to bad advice. So while she sat there watching televised reports of the festival, it really was the deprivation 
of not being able to go that provided her with this really intense angle on Woodstock and then she started writing it. So from someone who was supposed to be there but didn't go there, we actually got the song that encapsulated the entire feel of that festival. So it makes very prominent use of religious imagery, comparing the festival place with the Garden of Eden, which is very interesting. And we got to get ourselves back to the garden. And the saga commences with the narrator's encounter of a fellow traveler, where she says, Well, I came upon a child of God, and he was walking along the road. And the story culminates at their ultimate destination. By the time we got to Woodstock, we were half a million strong. And there's references to the Vietnam War and all these things that were almost fashionable, I I dare say. But it's very much a song of its time. A very strong anthem for that generation. And I think Big Country did a great version of that song. It's really nice, really mellow. Very solid guitar work in the verses. And again, great backup vocals. But primarily, I think it's a very touching vocal from Stuart. I think Stuart nails it a bit there. And I'm also really pleased that they based their cover on Joni's version. Not the Crosby, Still, Nash & Young version. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that that was um, that was a touching cover, I think. Amid all the Paranoids and uh, I'm 18s, we had one that actually it, it struck a nerve and felt a bit more emotional to me. So that's my number seven. How about that? Yeah. I'm surprised. You're so tender-hearted, Spine. I guess it's not on your list, then. No, it's not. No. <laughs> well... There we go. It is not. Six. So what is your number six? Um, My number six is Hey, Hey, My, My. Hey, hey, my, my. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Yeah, that's not all, I think. Come on. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth with you. Um, I like this. Um, you know, in part because I love so much watching the, um, the clip from the Voodoo Lounge performance. <laughs> and they just play the shit out of this song. Hmm. Yeah. It's a great song. It's and, a great uh, song. It's a little bit more up-tempo. Um, and, and I think I just love watching them perform it. Plus, uh, you clearly like them covering Neil Young. You picked both of them so far. It suits them, I think. I think Neil Young suits them well. Yeah. Lyrically, musically, I think it suits Big Country. Yeah, definitely. Now, this is on my list, too. It's uh, significantly higher than yours. Ah, well. And I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. I think you should. Yeah. Go Build to, suspense. Uh, I've Build got, suspense. Yeah. So okay. It, I, I will get back to it. So yeah, I think it's a great pick, obviously. It's definitely one of the better covers. Uh, my number six is another one I think is a great pick, and that is Oh Well. About the ship I'm in, I can't sing, I ain't pretty, and my legs are thin. 
Huh. Oh well, it's uh, a Fleetwood Mac song, but it's not yeah. the Fleetwood Mac with laces and, and curls. This is uh, <laughs> this is the nitty gritty blues Fleetwood Mac from the 60s. It's from the album Then Played On, released in 1969, which is the last album by the great Peter Green. Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, not Stephen Nicks Fleetwood Mac. And oh well, it's a great song. It's it's one of those that uh, it has been covered, I guess, quite a bit. It's a song that bands like to like to play and guitar based band especially likes to play the song itself is very interesting because oh well was composed in two parts where part one was a fast electric blues song with vocals which is fairly short it lasts a little over two minutes and then part two is almost an entirely different type of song which is an instrumental piece with a classic influence lasting nearly six minutes and the original 1969 single features the first minute or so of part 2 as a fade out coda to the A side and then part 2 begins on the B side. So I, I like both of them but they are so vastly different. If you if you haven't checked them out then I urge you to go and do. As always if you like a cover version that a band does do yourself a favor and check out the originals. This is a song that they also played uh, live a couple times but uh, we do have a good uh, studio version of this by Big Country and I think it's really well. It's a kick-ass song. It is a kick-ass song. Yeah, it's a good song. So you approve more of the kick-ass choices. I'm a little more kick-ass fine, you know? <laughs> no, yeah. no that's, that's fine. Someone needs to be kick-ass. And clearly, yeah. clearly it's not me. I think it better be me. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah I think it better be me. Yeah, so you, do you have this on your list? I don't have it on my list, um, in part because I completely forgot about it. Does that sound horrible? That is horrible. Yeah. So if you have to do an estimate now, where would it have edged its way in? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you know, probably, you know, maybe around seven or so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my six or seven. We're actually yeah. quite like-minded on that yeah. one. You know, I, I, yeah, I completely, completely like out of my mind. But yeah, it probably would have ranked seven, eight, something like that. Yeah. You can't be kick-ass with that kind of memory. It, it totally passed me by for some reason. I don't know why that happened. And when you said it, I was like, oh, damn. Would you like to take a minute to look over the list just in case? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. All right. So with that in mind, let's see what you put on number five. Five. It's fine. I think you're going to really approve of this choice. All right. Yeah. It's Cockney Rebels. Sling it. Oh. I know. Oh, the ship was sailing through a tempest of fear. There was lightning and explosions galore. And the waves came out washing and crashing, and boy, there was panic as we swam for the shore. You hate this song. Don't talk about me. Talk about you. You hate this song. I love this version. I mean, I th I think the original was actually quite weak. I mean, one of the things that's always difficult to get over when I listen to the original is trying to understand Steve Harley's vocals and the lyrics of the song within the context of the music that it's in. 
And for me, what this cover does is make it all make sense. Um, you know, the big country guitars, that string section, Bobby Valentino, totally elevates this song. Um, and I think everything about it is better than the original. Um, it's faster, it's darker, it's more furious, it's more desperate, um, which is what the lyrics sort of should push you to, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the music really fits the lyrics and the vocals, um, you know, and captures the anguish and the fury. And the, the strings by Bobby Valentino just kill me on this song. Um, I love this song. Yeah, and I can't stand the original, but I love the cover of this song. Mm. And that is actually uh, a great thing when a cover can enhance your opinion of something, especially something you you clearly dislike a lot. Yeah, I, did, I just didn't. You know, I, I don't think I just don't think anything of the original. I mean, like I said, I always felt like the lyrics and vocals were really disjointed from the way it was often played, and to take that and to elevate it to me um, is really the mark of a great cover Hmm. yeah it it really is and the original version is from 1974 it is from Cockney Rebels second studio album The Psychomodo uh, which didn't make much of an impression on the American charts but it charted at number 8 in the UK so I guess it's fair to say the lads in big country liked this album growing up and we're thrilled to have Steve Harley visiting them for the Eclectic album. Me, on the other hand, I I, I really wish they hadn't. Yeah, and why do you hate the song so much, Spine? I hate the vocals. I can't get into Steve Harley's vocals from the moment he starts with Oh, the sheriff! My sailing friend has to fear! And he goes in and <laughs> it, 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 it just degrades from there. And the clincher is kind of the final chorus. He's... He's, he's, it beggars belief why they put this on the album. Sling it! Sling it! Oh, come on! Sling it again! It's like a deranged lunatic, and we already have a deranged lunatic on, on, on the show that I cope with on a regular basis. I don't need to go and listen on a song with another deranged lunatic singing... So those I, I just can't get into it. It's it's absolutely mm, mm, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I just can't get into it. It's the vocals, and it's uh, it was always the vocals, and it's kind of a shame because I I do I hear a lot of the other things you say, and I agree that the the violin provides a very dramatic part. It is a climax of the song, but it's ruined by the anticlimax of those vocals and I, I just I just think it's uh, it's unbelievable that they that they put it on and I was kind of surprised actually to uh, to hear how much you liked it because I remember when Eclectic came out and the general consensus of the songs from most of the people and Sling It was not a favorite for a lot of us I can tell well, you that so I think by the masses so easily is fine <laughs> Always twisting it to uh, to your <laughs> own. No, but I'm glad you like it, and uh, I'm glad someone <laughs> likes it. That that means it served a purpose putting it on there. there. There is someone out there who actually can get into that singing, and uh, good. Even if you don't like the sp- singing, I don't know how you can't love Bobby Valentino. 
But I've, al- I've already said that. I think that part is a great climax. Yeah. So I've said I like that part, but yeah. uh, there, there's the anticlimax of the singing, and there are there are many good things about the song. I I don't like hate the song. You do. You hate the song. I hate the singing. Yeah. Huh. Well. And I it is like it. it is what it is. If I had to rank every single cover version, it would be third last. Well, see, you like it better than two others. Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do, which is kind of scary on behalf of the two others. Yeah, well. But uh, that's your number five. Yeah, what's yours? Mine. It's not Sling It. It's I a, didn't think it was. And I've, I've already revealed which one it is. It's found out about you. Right. Four. This is really, really tough, right? So numbers one, two, three, and four were really hard for me. And this is where I struggled between something I just wanted to listen to and something that I thought was a great reinterpretation of the original. Mm-hmm. And so my number four um, is... Uh... <laughs> you have to choose your list now. <laughs> There's no going back after this point. Uh, I'm so torn. <laughs> I'm so torn. Would it help you if I tell my number four? No, no, it wouldn't. I mean, it's just so tough. I kept, I just sitting here staring at the songs, thinking, "Oh my god, I don't know which one." Um, but I'm ready now. Mm-hmm. So my number four is Eleanor Rigby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I actually think that probably this is my favorite reinterpretation of an original. Um, I. You know, I think that losing the orchestral arrangement, um, you know, uh, doesn't suffer here. I, the work of Bobby Valentino on this song, again, is amazing. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's incredible. You listen to this on Eclectic and it sounds better live. Of course, Big Country sounds better live than most studio records. But I think that that's equally true about this song. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the best way... To you know, to characterize this song is Johnny G said to me once. You know, they took a dark song and made it darker, and I think that in part that's what's so appealing about Eleanor Rigby. That by cutting that sort of light staccato and orchestral arrangement, that they did manage to remove some of the lightness from this song and really infuse it with sort of the darkness that the lyrics would seem to demand. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's a great cover. It definitely is. And the fact that we both have it on our top 10s is a testament to this version. And top 10 might not seem like much, but we, when we counted all the covers, we ended up with 32. And we still have two or three others that we felt it's not a big country original, but it doesn't quite qualify as a cover. So you could say amongst 35, it makes the top 10, and in your case, the top 5 top four yeah. as the case would be so yeah, i just think it's tremendous yeah it, it is a great song and uh i i give especially kudos to the choice that the, if you're gonna pick a song by the beatles and you go for the chamber orchestra song it takes a bit of balls you have to remake it a bit you know and i think that's what mm-hmm. they do really successfully yeah and they remake it into a big country type of guitar arrangement which is uh 
great. You know that that's uh, yeah. That that's really good. No, yeah. for, for me, it's not a song I reach for that often, but I I couldn't pass on just how well it's rearranged. So I guess I still have some of that same struggle as you. Do I go for the reinterpretation or do I go for the one I pick the most often? Right. So uh, my compromise is uh, number eight. Yeah. So, but you know, number four, nothing my to sneeze at. My number four. My number four is again. I go to uh, the late sixties. I go to the classic rock staple. And it's also an eclectic song. I picked The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Virgil Cain is my name And I worked on the gambling train To Sherman's cavalry came And tore up the tracks again In the winter of 65 we were hungry, just barely alive By May the 10th, Richmond FM was the time I remember oh so well huh. Which is a song by the band from yeah. their self-titled second album from 1969 And the lyrics are very interesting. I I didn't know this song before Eclectic. Eclectic was, was mm. my first meeting with this song, which again, you know, worlds apart, you know, which song are in the general population consciousness in one area, but not another one. So well, I'm from Dixie, so I have an unfair advantage. <laughs> National anthem, right? No, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> I, ge- <laughs> I, guess, I guess there's quite a lot of songs that would make that claim. Uh, but the, the lyrics tell of the last days of the American Civil War and the suffering of white Southerners. And I will not even try to recap all the historic events and people mentioned in the song. Yeah. But, uh, but as far as I understand, it's a strong anti-war message and tries for a more balanced view. And uh, it is a song that tells a story of those times without going into it again. Yeah. Uh, I understand this was a monster hit and uh, not so much over here. And I'm not really a, a big fan of, of the band either, so hearing it on Eclectic was kind of a revelation, and I just think it fit really well. And as the band was moving into the Driving to Damascus era, and then looking back again on this choice, something kind of clicked and made sense. I imagine that this was a song that Stuart latched onto, and it helped point the direction for him as well. But they do a really good version of it. I think it just clicks, and it's hard to say what makes it click, but... This is one that uh, the words intrigue me, the story tries to tell intrigue me. I'm not an expert on the American Civil War, but I've read a lot of fiction from it, more than fact. So I guess it might be more falling into that interest as well. But uh, no, it's uh, it's my number four. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of the band, and I don't really care for the original. Um, so I don't really... Uh, I'm actually agnostic, really, towards the cover version of it. But... Mm-hmm. I think the subject matter is uh, too close to home for me, I think, to enjoy. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's fine. For me, it's obviously very exotic. Yeah. <laughs> three. We're moving into our top three now. So what's your number three? Uh, the pressure's up, right? Yeah. So my number three is Roxy Music's Prairie Rose.
Uh-huh. Yeah. A much-loved um, song. A much-loved song by many big country fans. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm a pretty big Roxy Music fan. Um, but this song is, this version is so much better than the original that it's almost impossible to give it as something other than a big country song. Yeah, I agree. This uh, this song, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a massive Roxy Music fan, but uh, obviously I've gone back and listened to the original and it's not bad. But it doesn't sound anything like what Big Country ended up with. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, it, uh, that's really the clincher. It, they took this song to a place where it really was never destined to go. Right. And you know, and it sounds like it belongs on Steel Town. Yeah. You know, I mean, the outro, you know, with Tall Ships Go doesn't hurt. But I mean, it really, it, if you didn't know better, you might think that this was a Big Country song. I would say this is the most successful attempt of the band to try to make a song their own. It sounds like a big country song and it feels like a big country song. Yeah. And when I first heard this song, I, I didn't know the original, obviously, but uh, I would never have guessed that this was the cover. If you played Steel Town and included this in the batch, I couldn't pick out the cover. Yeah. W- wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And no, it's quite remarkable in that aspect. It is. And that's a great pick for number three. Yeah. My number three is much more wimpish, and uh, again, uh, <laughs> where it's more into the popular, nice melody type category. I'm worried. Yeah, you should be, and so should everybody else. This is yet another song that they never recorded for an album. It exists in live version only, and it's a cover version they did in the mid-90s, but the original was recorded in 1967 by the Monkees. I'm talking about Daydream Believer. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I pe- <laughs> you can't believe it. Great, great cover. We don't judge here, Spine. You've already judged with your laughter and the I'm disbelief. I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> Isn't that what you say? <laughs> That's what I say. It's a, it's a very interesting pick because it's. Uh, I think this is the, the least orthodox pick they've ever done. In many ways, it's totally not an obvious candidate for a big country cover. But I guess over time, that is as good a qualifier as anything. Their choices were a bit unorthodox at times. They played this in the mid-90s. It was broadcast on radio. They performed it at the Turnbridge Wells High Rocks uh, in June 95. Uh, It's a song from the fourth Best Monkeys album. Which the fourth, the, the fourth, fourth best, best. ranks the monkeys albums, and I'm revealing myself as a fan I of the monkeys. I have every single monkeys album. I have every single monkeys single, and I have the TV show. Holy so, shit. yeah, I'm coming out. Oh my god! But I was not expecting this. No, oh, there you go. I was not expecting this. The monkeys get a lot of flack over the years. Uh, some of it deserved, a lot of it not so. They. At, there was a time in this world which is amazing to look back on when there hardly was a bigger band than the Monkees, yeah. even surpassing the Beatles. And it's hard today to think back and try to imagine how popular they were. And also, shortly after, how huge the backlash against them were. It was immense. And uh, really, it's hard today to understand both of that, just how big they were and then how big the backlash was. And this song comes from right before the backlash. Daydream Believer was included on The Birds, The Beasts, The Monkeys. 
uh, in 68. It was actually held back from the year before when they released their best album that it should have been included on, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn and Jones. But uh, it was an enormous hit all over the world, none more than in the US where it was number one for many weeks. So from that point of view, it was a very safe choice, I guess, as a cover, it's a very popular song. But in 95, almost 30 years removed, it was anything but obvious. And I still don't know for the life of me why they picked this song. But it's such a sugary sweet song and I guess that is what it really gets me uh, in a way that I just have to laugh that this You are is, a ball of sugary sweetness fine. This is big country we're talking about. The band with the there's always a dark lining to every silver cloud if you will there's always darkness hiding behind every corner but Daydream Believer <laughs> it, it's kind of like such a weird choice fitting into what they usually play and what what their subject matter is. And I guess they did for a laugh. And uh, I, I totally get that. And I share that laugh. And the rest of you can laugh at me. I, I don't mind. I, I uh, I'm all in on Daydream Believer and Big Country's cover of it. That is fascinating. <laughs> oh, I could find the bluebird as she sings Six and five and I would never end But it wins and I rise But the same kind of night My shaving razor is good And it's stinging Sing! Cheer up, sleepy tears
is your favorite monkey? It's fine. Peter Tork. You know, that was my favorite monkey. Peter Tork was my favorite monkey. Yeah. He's, oh. he's also an unconventional choice, I think. Peter Tork is kind of like the fan's choice. Yeah, and he was kind of dorky. He was cast that way. Yeah. Yeah. So while we can't agree that this was a good big country cover, we can share our bond over Peter Tork. <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. I'll take that. I'm glad you're happy with that. I have to be. Yeah. What's your number two? My number two, Black Sabbath's Paranoid. Really? Yeah. Tell I'm, me why. You know, I, I really like the original, but I think the cover, um, I like it better. It's cleaner. It's a little bit less frantic. I think the guitar work is very big country on it. Um, and I love the vocals. I think the vocals are spot on. Mm. Um, um, and the guitar solo is great. But I, I just, you know, but I think that, again, it's one of those songs that because I really like the original um, and because the cover is so good that it, it ranks high for me. I definitely share your love for the original. I, I love Black Sabbath, and I love I love the version of Paranoid. But it's like you said, Big Country's cover version of it is very clean. It is too yeah. it is too clean. It's too clean for you. Too clean. It, this is a clean cut, a supermarket version of Paranoid, if you will. <laughs> this is this is a supermarket version. <laughs> it also goes back to what we said about the vote. <laughs> Stop your snorting. It goes back to what we said about the uh, the vocals being uh, not able to capture like the Alice Cooper I'm 18. It doesn't capture the teenage angst. And here Ozzy Osbourne kind of screams out that he's kind of doubting his sanity here. Whereas Stewart is kind of singing a jaunty nice song with uh, cr crisp guitars. And I totally disagree with the vocals. I think the vocals are tremendous. And I think they do capture the angst. I do think it's cleaner. Um, but, I, but I disagree about the vocals. Great vocals, by all means. But uh, put Ozzy Osbourne's vocals from 1970 and then Stewart's voc uh, vocals on this thing side by side. I did. I listened to it over and over again. <laughs> no doubt you do, because this is yeah. your number two. Yeah, no, I did. I listened to it. Or I, I tried to. I looked at every little difference, you know, I picked apart. I'm really, I'm really shocked to hear this coming from you, Spine. Why are you? Because this is a song that I, I love it, but it's one of those that is very hard to do a good cover of because it I just very can't much. Don't think it's a good cover. No, but that's not what I'm saying. I, I do think it's a decent cover, but it is a clean, straight rock version of that song. That's what I'm saying. So I think we disagree on how well Stewart encapsulates the feeling of madness and despair and those emotions. I think Ozzy Osbourne is one of the greatest interpreters of that kind of stuff because he is Mr. Madman himself. So they quite don't have the madness that Ozzy Osbourne always manages to translate in his songs. But also I think the song choice itself is a little boring. I, I do wish they had dug deeper again, which is 
a point we have come back to a few times. Paranoid is Black Sabbath's most famous song, most well-known song. So um, they could have made more interesting choices. You know, it's not quite on my top ten, but uh, I'm glad you like it. I don't know how people are going to feel about this spine. <laughs> no, well, they will, they will no doubt uh, be amused, as they should be. Yeah. You want to hear my number two? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, all right. What's your number two? <laughs> it's their cover of the Archies, Sugar Sugar. Oh, yeah. That is a good one. No, it is uh, Hey Hey My My, Into the Black. Ah. Yeah, which is, uh, you have it significantly lower on your list. I do. Whereas I raise it to the pinnacle it belongs number six it's not so far no well there we go but uh it it is a great song and this is one that emerged in the 90s um the original was kind of a career comeback for neil young in 1979 uh, from the album rust never sleeps one of the classics one of his best i think uh finally recorded on a studio album for the undercover collection in 2001 but obviously we do have the version on without the aid of a safety net that is the two cd version that eventually came out a little later in the 90s um, and th- this is a song that has an acoustic counterpart called my my hey hey out of mm. the blue and these versions of the song bookend that album rust never sleeps uh, and this was something he would do again with uh, with rocking in the free world on, on that album, on Freedom in 1989, there are a lot of similarities. That album and that song was, I guess, the second kind of comeback album for Neil Young. It kind of revived him similar to what Rust Never Sleeps did in 79. And the same album opens with that song, an acoustic version, and ends with the electric version. So there are some interesting similarities there. And Big Country has picked up on the electric version in both those cases and made good covers of both of them. Although I think uh, Hey Hey Mamai is by far the best one. Um, it's it's a great song, and this is a song where I do feel the uh, the angst, if you will. I'm not sure if it's the right word, but the, the sort of the, the anxiousness the song contains is definitely present in, in Big Country's version. Yeah. So that's a great one, and that's my number yeah. two. It is a great one. One. We have arrived at the end of the road. After much excitement, some ridicule, and uh, a lot of tears and sweat, here we are. Yeah. Hard to believe we're here already. (laughs) It is. It is. Spill the beans. What's your number one? I'm going to spill the beans. And I can't help but notice that my number one, like my number two, does not make your top tens fine. No, probably not. It does, no, it definitely doesn't, because we already know what your number one I know what your number one is. But anyway, um, it's Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. I just think it's a great fucking song. So you're not one of those who tired of the original? You like that, no. and hence you I'm also never like... Tired. No. Uh-huh. I know. 
I mean, it's one of those songs that's instantly recognizable. You hear it all the time. But when you hear that opening, you know, like every time it gets me. Every single time. I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing this song. I mean, and, and think about the age of this song. I mean, I think that's why it's one of the classics of rock and roll. What I like about the big country version is hearing it stripped back a little bit. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that it's stripped back a little bit. And frankly, a little bit more melancholy than the original, which at times had bits of lightness to it. Um, and so I, I just, I, it's, it, of, of the songs in the top 10, it's probably the song that I like the most in the original form. And so I don't think it's a surprise that I like the big country right. um, version either. Yeah. And, and I like the variances I hear of it. You hear it. Uh, you know, on uh, produ- produced in a record studio, you could hear it plugged in at Town and Country in '93. You could hear it acoustic at Sterling, and I always thought they did a tremendous job with it. Yeah, they did a pretty competent job. That's what I can say. I, I um, the reason it's not on my list at all is probably that there is a vast chasm between how much you like it and how indifferent I am toward it. It's yeah. uh, it's it's really a song that you know. If I'm gonna feel anything at all about Big Country's version, I think primarily it's an uninspired choice. It's a very standard r- rate rock radio track, a staple of rock radio, and uh, I don't know. It's it's not a bad song. It needs more cowbell. It's a it's a staple for a reason. It's a great song. Again, I think the same with Eleanor Rigby. I like that just. A little more heaviness to it even though it's stripped back it's a little bit heavier and it's a song that i just don't tire of mm. i haven't tired of it in all these years and it doesn't even crack your top 10 i'm really surprised no it doesn't this is a song that i feel is is i keep coming back to it i think it's an uninspired choice and um, the reason i feel that way is obviously i i never got the song like you clearly have and that's uh, that's all I can say. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I just didn't expect your choices to be as warm and cuddly as they are. Oh, well, mine are all over the place. I'm very sweet. You've got a lot of very sweet. A lot of rockers as well. I have a very many faceted list. You're right. You're right. I'm so one-dimensional. You're yes. the diverse one. Indeed. You're the diverse one. I, I, you know, I'm not a huge classic rock fan. It's just stuff that I, re- you know, I grew up with from, you know, this late 70s, right, these tunes. And you said it right there. It's stuff yeah. you grew up with. Then it has yeah. a nostalgic feeling. Right. And nostalgia is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. I ha- I have no nostalgia. I'm, I might actually have some with Daydream Believer. Maybe that's an aspect I didn't mention, but that... You must do, yeah. Yeah, it's too late now, but I'll just live in the ridicule. But that's one that I had in <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> That, that that was a song that was around as a kid and I, I definitely hear what you're saying there if, if if it taps into that you need no further explanation in my opinion yeah alright what's your number one Spine don't tease <laughs> this out any longer my number one is Perry Rose
shocking. It's shock. It should be shocking for everybody. <laughs> I feel like I talked a lot about this song already. It was number two on my top ten B-side countdown, and it was a cover. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that when we peel away the originals and are left with the covers, it will still remain very high. But uh, I spoke about this song on that episode, and we spoke about this song again when it did Steel Town. So I feel like it's a song that I've already kind of said a lot about. But what I can add to it here in the context of covers, I think this is a rare example of the band digging a little deeper into an artist's back catalogue and not necessarily going for the hits. Yeah. Which uh, there's definitely, no, no matter how we feel about songs like Don't Fear the Reaper or The Night He Drove All Dixie Down or Vicious or Paranoid, uh, might be good songs, but it's also a common classic rock radio fare. And songs like Daydream Believer, Down on the Corner, Ruby Tuesday, those are huge 60s hits. Prairie Rose is not the most famous song by Roxy Music. It wasn't even a single. And the album it's from is not a big album. So this is a bit of a daring choice. And I think the fact that Big Country is mentioned in the lyrics. That a lonesome star shine down on the big country. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the clincher. I'm pretty sure that's why they went for it. I don't know why they or how anyone could hear that song and say... That's a cool song. We'll do this with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, that. That's the clincher. So, in, in yeah. terms also of just totally reworking a song, there, this song stands alone. I mean, we, we do our top ten here. I, I really have a top one, and all the others are are <laughs> way below it. I mean, this song to me is a beacon in terms of big country covers. And even though I have my number two, hey hey mama, it's significantly down it's uh they're not even close at all i think this song is one of big country's best songs period and uh there's no other cover version that's even fit to shine the steel clad army boots of this one yeah when on my alternate top five list this was my number one so if i was going for interpretation you know over just what i like to listen to i think that this is probably the best reinterpretation of a song and yeah. like I said, it's so much so that it's even hard to think of it as a Roxy Music song anymore. Oh yeah. When I when I, when I hear the Roxy Music song now, I say, "Oh, that's the big country song." And I don't think I do that for any other of the cover versions they play. So it says something. Yeah, fair enough. It's it's been a very interesting trawl through our lists. Very I feel different. Like I've learned so much about you. I'm glad we could spend this time together. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I have learned a lot about you, though. I was certain that my top two were going to be on your top ten somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be able to recover from this. This is pretty normal, you know. We share these things in every episode, and everybody learns something new about both of us. Yeah. I don't know that anybody learned anything new about me. Probably not. Probably not. No, you have a hard shell. You don't dare to crack open and show what's within. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I did reveal a little bit about Peter Tork, but yeah, that was a moment. That was yeah. the moment. Well, I felt you know it was it was touching, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
So if we look at it from the other angle of which covers by other people covering big country, do you have any favorites there? I do, although I'm super picky uh-huh. about covers of big country songs. I hear a lot that I don't like. In fact, I probably dislike most of the big country uh, yeah. cover songs that I hear. Um, but I think if I had to pick one that I thought was probably the best big country cover I've heard, it's Ha Ha Tonka's In a Big Country. I've never seen you look like this without a reason. Another promise falling through another season passes by you. I never took the smile away from anybody's face. And that's a desperate way to look for someone who is still a child. In a big country, dreams stay with you. Like a lover's voice fires the mountainside. Stay And I think that there's so many versions of this song out there. Um, people who try to replicate it, and I think unsuccessfully, um, or people who think, oh, I'll take it way down tempo, and it sounds weird to me. But I mean, Haha Tonka do what we talked about, you know, being the interpretation of a song that makes it sound like that band's song. And I think that that's something they do really successfully. I mean, it sounds like Ha Ha Tonka. Um, and I think that there's a real sweetness to the version that they do that I actually quite like. In a big country, dreams stay with you. Like a lover's voice fires the I had actually not heard that version. That sounds like a really good reinterpretation of it again. Yeah, it's it, they're not trying to sound like Big Country. And they're also not turning the song into something that it was never meant to be. Mm. You know, I mean, I think that it sounds like a Ha Ha Tonka song. I think that it's not overly... Uh, some people try to make it really melancholy, down tempo, too soft. I don't think the song wants that. I just like what they do with this song. I love their interpretation of this song. Yeah. No, I uh, I know we mentioned we should pick our favorite cover. It's it's really hard because, like yourself, I'm kind of picky. Yeah. No, so I don't know. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking of a version I heard not too long ago, which is uh, your favorite, Carol Lola. Uh. did a cover version of Everything I Need. And the thing that makes that a bit touching to me is she sang it with Kirsten Adamson. Mm-hmm. So the two of them sang a version of uh, Everything I Need from uh, the album is called Too Let. And the song is listed for some reason as Everything I Want on the album. I think that is um, especially the harmonies. The fact that they sing together adds something very touching. And also I think a lot of people... On, uh, on Facebook seem to suggest that this song would sound good with a female voice and that is one that I do think sounds good with a female voice and uh, mm. it's uh, it's an interesting cover I know you would be so I want you to 
If it's my favorite, I don't know if I could say that, but I, I can't say that I've heard too many fantastic big country covers over the years. I really can't, and that, that might be just me not remembering them, because I know they are out there. Yeah, I, there are a lot of them. I just don't happen to like that many of them. Mm. Um, there's a cover of Come Back to Me by a French band called Blackwater. Mm. Um it, it, they're a French band, but it's very Celtic-inspired. But I think it's an interesting rendition of the sound. But again, it's sung by a man right. um, rather than a woman. Here had a party right out in the street. Flags and flowers and singing for the Hong Kong hero street. I sat in the kitchen. Without a fire on the ridge I knew this house had lost the cause To ever make me warm again I watched them gather out here While he stepped out from the car While tears fell on my cigarette He ended out cigars I held your child inside of me But you will never know I never Forget you while I watch that child grow Come back to me Days are all too long Come back to me You never should have gone I was so young and full of bright But you were one and strong I never knew how we came So that's episode 49. It's in the can. We we made it. We're wrapping it up, man. Yeah, we did. And yeah, we did it. And we actually managed to, to get through it. We did. Like professionals. It's amazing. Yeah, we're amazing, Spine. <laughs> uh, we must be, clearly. I think we should celebrate. Yeah. So at least two people got through this podcast. I hope many other people managed it. And I hope you got something fun out of it. Thanks for stepping in. Thank you very much for coming on very short notice, I must add, and uh, and doing these covers. Was it enlightening? Was it what you thought it would be? It was tough, I have to say. First, thank you for the invite. But yeah, man, I mean, what an incredible challenge to sit down and listen to all of these covers and to go back and listen to the originals and even try to keep up with the level of detail that you seem to know about every single 
a song ever recorded. Um, it's fine, you're a walking encyclopedia, but um, I, but pi- it, it, I, I picked the ten songs I know the most about just so I could be that encyclopedia. <laughs> no, but it was it was a great challenge, and um, I can't wait to see what people think. I'm interested to know what other people's favorite covers are. Definitely. I was hoping we'd argue more. That's what people always hope for. I'm worried that we sound boring. I can assure you that we had uh, major disagreements. Did we? I don't remember any of them. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. I really wish I'd had Oh Well in there instead of I'm 18, but I wanted to be prepared. I feel less funny without the others here. (laughs) I feel less entertaining. I'm also sober. We'll work on that for the next one. I should have drank more. There you go. It's a sobering experience. It is. Yeah. It's fine. It was a sobering experience. Yeah, that that is awful. But we'll we'll work on that. This is number forty-nine. So the next one will, will be fifty. Wow. Fifty. Can you believe it? No. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. I have no idea at all what we're going to be talking about, but no doubt it will be something grand. As always, the discussion continues on the Facebook group. Look for us on The Great Divide on Facebook. You'll find us there. We'll be back soon. Thank you again, CJ. And thanks to everybody else for listening. 5-0 is up. But for now, I have to leave you. Yeah. It's been fun. I saw that that coming. You sensitive types are always like that. Sensitive types? Oh my gosh. You've got Joni Mitchell. You know, you've got Daydream Believer. There's a lot of sex in those songs. Yeah, but it's like sweet sex. It's not like reverse cowboy sex. (laughs) Ali... (laughs) Well, you know, I'm finally hitting my stride. Two hours and four <laughs> conversation. Slap happy. That's good. You want to do it all over again? Yeah, let's do it all over again. I have a totally different list now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, they the Believer will be my number one. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> What happened to the kick gas? No, sorry. I just I was thinking and talking at the same time. Okay. So don't, don't ever do that again. Sling it Sing it and do it again. And we're headed towards that big five.